This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are ecstatic that you guys are with us this week on a n- another wine week. I love wine weeks. I oh, know. I know, man. So what wine are you doing, John? Well, on this week we are doing Zinfandels. So I know at the end of the last podcast I said I was doing the Casa Mesa Primitivo. You know, I couldn't find it in town. It's one of the ones that just disappeared. We may not have been able to get it back because of COVID and everything. But this week, I am doing the Antico Salillo Primitivo di Maduria from the southern part of Italy. And my food I've got with it, I've got a pretty meat-centric plate today. And I'll talk about why that is here as we get going. I have some ribs from a local barbecue place called Whole Hog. I've got a cheeseburger with onion rings on top and some sweet potatoes, All sweet right. potato fries. Mm. And then I have a wood fire pepperoni pizza as my stuff. So awesome. real big, heavy stuff. And we'll kind of get into why I chose that. Dan, what about you this week? What are you doing? I'm I'm doing the Ridge Pogoni Ranch Zinfandel. Mm. And for my snacks, I'm doing yai toast and i'll explain what that is later and i'm doing a spaghetti with an italian sausage and paul newman's sucker sauce and then i'm doing a carrot cake very cool what about the crackers you have to go with the yai toast what are those called Connectabru. Connectabru. So it's it's going to be a... We got a little Norwegian thing going on here, yeah, Josh. We got a little Norwegian and a lot of Italian going on here today. That's right. All right. So Well, in California as well. Well, well yeah. <laughs> I just meant food-wise. You got spaghetti. Right. I've got pizza. Right. So um, what about last week? Last we week, had a I, blind, yeah. I did a blind. It was a liquor week. It was a liquor week, and I think I called it a uh, liquor de agave. So what was it, Dad? Well, and then you also said... Oh, Dad, it's that one in that green bottle. <laughs> and we both couldn't think of it. Couldn't think but of the name. But yes, it is in the green bottle, and it's a Gavrio, and it's a very good tequila liqueur. It's always in my house. It's, it's very distinctive, so if you're in the liquor store and you're looking for maybe something like this, it'll just jump out at you because the bottle kind of looks like... A pina, a yeah, agave exactly, plant. exactly. That's so, part of your... That's part of your house margarita, isn't it? That's one of yeah, your signatures. Yeah, a little bit of this in there with it. Okay, cool. Oh, well, good job. I you mean, nailed that one. I nailed it, and you know, I, I had been needing to win when it came to blinds. So, right. I'm really, I'm, ha- I'm happy I landed that one. <laughs> so, what are you one for ten? Oh, I don't five, even know anymore. You're better than that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's just kind of okay. But I am I am very excited this week because we're doing wine and I love wine. Wine's my jam, and we're doing some great red wine. Zinfandels are not always my jam, but I'm really excited to get into this. I'm really excited to do an Italian Primitivo, which is Zinfandel, and then an American old school style Zinfandel to really kind of see and talk about some of those differences. It's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. So once again, I'm doing the Antico Saligio Primitivo di Maduria. From Italy, and then I've got some barbecue ribs. I've got a burger with some onion rings on it and sweet potato fries, and then a wood-fired pepperoni pizza. So, and excuse us a minute. We're going to eat for a while. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna, <laughs> we're going to gorge ourselves and then come back to you in about ten. You got to see these plates. <laughs> oh, oh, they're going to get to see them during in the Instagram photos. That's oh, yeah. great. I, I love when my plate like hangs off the plate. Right. It's so good. But you know, we've got we've got some really good food today, and. 
I'm I'm really excited to get into it. So, Dad, why don't you go ahead and start kind of sniffing the wine? I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of do a little. So what kind of order are we eating? So we'll just go from right to left on our on the plate. We'll go. It it doesn't matter. I would start with the barbecue, go to the burger, and finish with the pizza. All right, that's what I was planning to do. But, so, but yeah, for me, that's right to left. That's right. Right. So I'll go ahead and while while you're kind of getting into it a little bit, I'm gonna just kind of give a little give it a little talk about Zinfandel itself. So Zinfandel is a grape that is well known in the United States. It is also called Primitivo in the in Italy in about 19 I think it was 92 UC Davis did a DNA study and found that it is they are the exact same grape. So Zinfandel is the same as Primitivo and they actually track back to a Croatian grape called Sirlizak Kostelski. Mm. So the grape is actually from Croatia. So along the oh, Adriatic, really? the along the Adriatic Sea, is kind of where it originated from. So and from Croatia. So from Croatia, Italy. Yes. To so from so to it's, California. It's, it's kind of yeah. <laughs> so it goes from Croatia and it gets over to Italy because of the monks. Mm. So a monk okay. brings it over across the Adriatic Sea because this this Zinfandel or the Primitivo is grown in the in the Perugia region of Italy, which if you geography people, we know Italy is a boot. It is a high-heeled boot. The Perugia region is in the high heel. Okay. That is that is this region. So we're talking about it. it is a peninsula. It's surrounded on three sides by water. Mm-hmm. Across the Adriatic Sea is Croatia. So it was brought over from Croatia to Italy, started being planted there, and that's kind of how it got started. And... From there, it's also it had also migrated to Austria, where it was called Zeff- Zeffendeller. Zeff- yeah, Zeffendeller. And then from Austria, it actually migrated from from Austria, so from Vienna to the United States, where it was mm-hmm. called Black Saint Peter. But it was also known by the Zeffendeller. Oh, okay. Zeffendeller. So that's kind of where we get the name Zinfandel from. Well, they're not exactly black in the glass, right? But it is very dark, right? So Zinfandel is considered a thin-skinned black grape. So, mm-hmm. like Syrah is also another black, mm-hmm. another black grape. Malbec is another black grape. Got some beautiful legs on this, right? So this is like you're saying; it's a really rich, dark, kind of purpley, not quite as dark as a Syrah or a Malbec, but it comes out, and it actually. If you kind of look at the tears mm-hmm. against the white paper, mm-hmm. it stains the tears. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a little bit of that color extraction that, at least in in this Primitivo, you actually can see some of that yeah. color extraction. Yeah. And when you're blind tasting, that's one of the things you kind of look for that can help you understand that it's going to be a highly extracted grape, which helps you understand that it's going to be a few of a couple grapes. So all Zens do that. I don't. I wouldn't say all Zins do that. I would say... That's definitely a Zin marker. It could be a marker of a darker-skinned grape. Okay, okay. So what do you what are you smelling as you smell this one? Oh, I'm getting a lot of uh, jam out of it. Mm, you yep. know, boysenberry or something like that. Yeah. Maybe blackberry. Boysenberry jam, blackberry jam. It also has kind of that pie consistency. Yeah. A little bit of licorice, rhubarb, you know, It's but it's very mm. dark. Mm-hmm. It's very dark-fruited. Now... Is yours 100% Zen? It is 100% Primitivo. 
Okay. So it's 100% Zen. It's Your actually deal, yeah. It's actually a single vineyard. Okay. Wow. Um so it's it's actually single vineyard. It's 14 and a half percent alcohol. Wow. Yeah. Which is a little bit lower, which is a little bit lower than you'll find others in Fendels. Mm-hmm. But when you smell it, you get that like big rich fruit flavor with that spiciness that's going on in mm-hmm. to me. Oh, it smells wonderful. Now, mine's not 100%, and we'll talk about that later, but it is near that 14.6 is what mine is. So, that, yeah. I guess that's where they're going to be. Right. So, yeah. they're going to, so, in, I'm sure you'll talk about it, but Ridge is a little bit more, Ridge has a very interesting story, and they do a lot bit more of that blending. Now, when it comes to the laws in Italy, it only has to be 85%. It only has to be 85% of whatever grape it is. But since this since this one is a DO, DOC or DOP, one of the top levels when it comes to those restrictions and everything, mm-hmm. they may do a little bit different. But mm-hmm. this is 100%. Yeah. So it's really rich, really full-bodied. Yeah. But it's not overly jammy. Well, and the legs, they're, they're kind of on the short side, but there's lots, lots of them. Right. Good. It is. It is a wonderful wine. I see you re- reaching for the ribs, so I guess it's okay. Open season on. The oh ribs. yeah, it's open season on all the food. <laughs> Come on, we're not. It's the two of us <laughs> sitting here in the dining room. It's not formal at all. We just go for it. It is the formal dining room. Formal dining room, but, but now we it's are the formal, formal podcast room. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty much our studio now. Um, so these ribs are from a local barbecue place called Whole Hog Cafe. Mm-hmm. They do a little bit of different style. For those of you longtime listeners, then the Kansas City style, which my dad and I do, uh, they're a little bit more wet. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have a couple of their sauces to go with it. Dad, I gave you their number three, which is their spicy sauce if you want it. Okay. Um, and then I have their classic and their sweet sauce because I'm not a big spice person. But Primitivo and Zinfandel are probably my favorite barbecue wines, hands down. Okay. I think it, it just goes really well with the spiciness. And that earthy mm. undertone mm. of the barbecue—it's—it's mm. it's just it's one of my favorite things to do with barbecue is serve okay. mm-hmm. this type of wine. So because of these ribs being a little bit different in style, they're going to come across a little bit sweeter. Yeah, they are. But whole sweet. hog still has a really good, like smoky, big, juicy, tender rib that they do. I've got a lot of awards here. Yeah. In the, well, Memphis—they won Memphis awards. I don't know how many awards they have. They're, they have some across the country. Mm-hmm. I think they have a place up in New Jersey. I didn't know that. There was always a go-to place. I'm not making my own. Yeah. It's one of the places that's a go-to around here in Little Rock. But the ribs have a nice little... Their spice rub is good. And I'm pretty sure they they sauce there. So they're a wet, a more wet style rib. Has a little bit of that like, sticky top sauce on it, mm-hmm. in my opinion, which... Is not what you and I do, or kind of what we, when we were cutting our barbecue chops, what we were eating. Right. Most of the time, when we were in Kansas City, it's it's all dry. Mm-hmm. There's not any of that extra kind of wetness on top. But that sauce brings a little bit of sweetness to it, with that earthiness and the spiciness and the smoke and everything. That works well. And it just, that jamminess of the Primitivo, and that spiciness just, to me, matched so well with the wine so i put the number three which is as you said the spicy one 
And so I got some stuff going on in my mouth with it. And uh, the wine helps calm it down, but it doesn't kill it. Mm -hmm. And the spice does not kill the wine. So the wine stands up to it very well. Yeah. It's a good wine. Now, in Italy, I don't think they'd be eating ribs. No. Well, they wouldn't be eating ribs this way if they did. Mm -hmm. They would be eating more of steak-style stuff Mm -hmm. or grilled. Mm -hmm. But this wine will stand up to... Almost any meat you throw at it. So maybe a flat steak. I mean, a flat steak. It would it would hold up to honestly any steak you have because it's got enough big. It's got enough boldness. It's not overly alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tannins on this are really soft because it is a thin skin grape. Now, if it was a thicker skin like a Malbec or a Syrah, you're gonna find more of that. You're gonna find more of that tannin, mm-hmm. that grippy, that bitiness to it. So the sweetness of this rib causes some sweetness to come out of the wine that I wasn't first tasting. Right. Now, I'm still tasting the jammy, but it's kind of a a low note or a back note. Right. To that to that sweetness that's coming out. So, I didn't think of this grape as being so sweet, but mm-hmm. it really is. Yeah, so are you saying it kind of moves from like Blackberry boysenberry jam to blackberry boysenberry pie. Yeah. So, yeah. So, for those of you that when we talk about this, you may not have a frame of reference, but you may understand the difference between a jam and a pie. Right. Or it has a little bit more sweetness. But I, I well, the thing I really enjoy about this pairing and barbecue pairings and Zinfandel in general is that spicy undertow. So, Zinfandel has like a cinnamon, a clove, that kind of spiciness to mm-hmm. it. And I think that works really well with the barbecue. Right. The barbecue has some of the same similar kind of spice notes to it. A little bit of smokiness to it. I like my barbecue a little bit more smoky than this one. Right. And which I think also goes well with that th- because the fruit is so ripe. Mm-hmm. It works well with that level of smokiness and mm-hmm. the in the in the way the meat the way the meat kind of melts and has that fatty extra tenderness to it. So now the area that it's in, you said the heel. Correct. Is that a a cold climate area, somewhat like the Sonoma, which is close to Pacific? So it's is? it's considered a warm climate, oh, but okay. because it is a peninsula, it gets a lot of cooling breezes. From any direction. It gets a lot but of at least co- for three directions. <laughs> yeah, it gets a lot of cooling breezes. Now the latitude, if I'm thinking about the latitudes of this correctly. The latitude of this area, which we're talking about, is more like the southern United States. Uh-huh. So it's going to be very warm, but it is very much influenced by the Mediterranean and Adriatic mm-hmm. seas mm-hmm. that come around it. So you get that dr- cooler climate, but it's very dry. Yeah. Because this is very dry. Like the, the, the name of the area in Italy, like it's a state, basically it's state name means arid or dry place. Mm-hmm. So, or a place without rain. So, this area is very dry, cool, but warm, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that Zinfandel loves. Mm-hmm. Doesn't It can do okay in some hot areas, mm-hmm. but Zinfandel ripes really early. Mm-hmm. Like, Primitivo is actually kind of Latin for first ready or first ripe. 
Oh, really? And that's kind of where the name in Italy comes from. So Prima is first. So mm-hmm. if you've ever heard of the Prima Ballerina, yeah, that's the first ballerina. Right. It's the top one. ballerina. Or, first chair. Yeah, first chair. You know, those type of things. Prima, you know, Primavera is, you know, first season or first, mm-hmm. so first of spring. So when would they harvest? They can that. early. I have I've seen notes that it can be harvested as early as July. Hmm. Which is really, really odd, or that you know, is. it's not normal because most of the time it's harvested later. You know, harvest usually comes later in you know September, August, September, October. But these can be ready as early as July. Yeah, mine's first ready October third is what they said about this bottle. That I right, bought. and a little and something that's different about Ridge, and you may talk about it, is Ridge's elevation. Where mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they, I'm going yeah, to let you talk about that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this kind of grows at sea level, and because of what it is, it's a it's a really tight bunch of grapes. Mm-hmm. So it's a long, tight bunch, and it can actually ripen very unevenly. Sure, sure. So it can also rot because it's so tight, air can't flow through, and so you get some water or moisture that will sit there in the bunch, and it will, it will actually kind of rot through. So, so is this area a climate, or is it just all the same? Well, there are going to be microclimates within it, but its its main climate is considered um, Mediterranean mm-hmm. because it's so influenced by the water around it. Now, I see you digging at this burger. Well, I hadn't dug in yet. I'm I'm looking at it and I'm trying to remind me what it is. So this is what this Steak is burger, the this is the smokehouse burger from a local place called Big Orange. I didn't put their barbecue sauce on it because we were having barbecue before. Mm-hmm. But it's a good beef burger with cheddar cheese and fried onion rings on it. Ooh. So kind of some onion straws. So you're going to get a lot of that big, like, fatty kind mm-hmm. of flavor. So this is the this is one of the fat plays. And I think fat plays really well with this one because it can have a little bit of softer edges. Mm-hmm. It's not really – it's lightly acidic, but it's got all that big, bold juiciness that I think pairs well with fat. Mm-hmm. And then you also have some sweet potato fries to kind of – Go with some of the sweetness of the wine. So that's sort of surprising until you said it. I knew I was crunching something. Then when you said it's onion rings, it's like ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And that has a special sweetness and saltiness of mm-hmm. its own. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to try a taste and see how it all puts together. And that big earthiness of the beef, the beefiness goes really well. So when I was researching you, know, Beef and lamb kept coming up oh, as yeah. pairings for mm-hmm. for Primitivo. So, what'd you what'd you think of that? Now that you've had a taste, so that saltiness is definitely there, but it didn't it didn't kill the sweetness, right, of that jam or right. that pie, as you said. And I'm running out already, Josh. <laughs> I mean, <that's laughs> a mark of a this good wine. This is such a good wine. Yeah, and it's under twenty dollars. Oh, you're kidding me. Mm-hmm. He's easily under $20. And this is also the 2016 vintage. Okay. So I bought it at, I bought it at 18, like eighteen ninety I've seen it as low as like twelve, thirteen ninety nine. Oh, that's a deal. At stores. And that's the thing about this region is it's, it's a deal. Mm-hmm. It's a deal in wine and it's good. It's good, full bodied. Mm-hmm. It's got great flavor to it. And what I get with this and the beef is I get more of those earth tones. Yeah, more the the bottom notes that kind of balance out the sweetness of the wine, or the the 
the jamminess. Sweetness is is not really the right thing to say because it's not sweet. It isn't. Because the residual sugar level of this is only 1.8 grams per liter, which is very, very small. Uh-huh. So it's actually just the fruit characteristic. So and jam's the wrong word. No, when jam- you make jam, it's well, very sweet. No, but jam is actually the right word because the fruit is jammy. It's very overripe. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. full of its own flavor and more toward that overripe sweetness. Mm-hmm. But it's not sugar sweet. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of one of those things we as wine professionals have to talk with people about. Right. Because when you say something that you want something sweet, you may not actually want something sweet. You may want something that's fruity. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be dry. It's not going to be tannic. It's not going to be acidic. So this wine, I would not say it is, is, it is not acidic. It is not tannin. It's not tannic not drying and it's not really that sweet and it's not sweet but it's very fruity it's very fruit forward so i think there's a mind trick going on Mm -hmm. you get that you get that fruitiness and you go oh it's jammy oh it must be sweet Mm -hmm. because that's what happened when i took a bite of the rib which i know has that sweetness on it now i'm wondering how our kansas city style ribs would go I think they'd go well because I know when I looked at the pairing notes for the Zinfandel that I chose, that was top of the list. Yeah. So these, because they are so fruity and so jammy and so feeling of sweet, Mm -hmm. they work well with spice. So that'll kind of calm it down. You know, our ribs that we make are spicier than this. Mm -hmm. And so that spice, that spice would play well with the fruit. Plus, we have that char that is going to play well with the with the right, not the sweetness of it, but, but the, the earthiness of the it. earthiness of it, and that will the, so that will kind of and that is why I think Zinfandel's can be one of the best barbecue wines in the world. We're coming up on when this comes out. It's a week. It's the Thursday before Memorial Day. Yeah. No. Yes. Thursday before Memorial Day when this one comes out. This comes out. This comes out on Thursday. I'm getting lost, Josh. I know we got so <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. We got so this, much going on. This, but we have so much coming on right now. But when we're recording this, the Sunday before Memorial Day, Pentecost. Yeah, and Pentecost it, Sunday is and and it's gonna cut. It's gonna release the Thursday before. If you've got grill out, if you've got cookouts, you got barbecues coming up this weekend. This wine is so good. It's also good because you can have a little bit of a chill. I think I'm going to have to go get some ribs since Memorial Day is coming up. I almost forgot. Yeah. But this wine. Will, go get this wine. This wine would work so well. It works well with a little bit of a chill on it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have it in your cooler. You can have it on your boat. Take it out. Well, pour it into a plastic if you're going out on a boat. You don't want it to break. But it, it will work well with a little bit of a chill on it. And yeah, I, I it works it well with so much food. Like we've seen it just worked with ribs, just worked with burgers. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite pizza wines as we're going to move we're into trying now. When I looked it up, 55 to 59 degrees is what right. Zen's ought to be. Well, and that's the thing is like you can throw it in your cooler, pour yourself a, a cup or a glass on a hot day. And as it goes from cool and you're holding it because you're talking with your friends, it right. warms up a little bit. Sun's bearing down. It's on just it. going to get even better. No, son. No, son. I'm going to drink some. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we have listeners all over the world. You know, for us here in Arkansas, we've already had our first 90-degree day. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, May. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I noticed, Josh, yeah. we have over 2,000 downloads. I know. And we are, we're very excited. We've, we've reached that mark and it's only because of you guys listening to us. And that's, we're very appreciative. Keep, to, you know, keep downloading, keep reaching out to your friends. We, we love to see that. I wish we could figure out who that 2,000th person was. <sighs> yeah. We'd have, that'd be a lot of work, yeah. I think, but we, we really appreciate that. And, we just love that you guys are listening to us, but going back to this one, and you know, I, I love that we decided to do this, and we didn't even think about it being a Memorial Day wine. Mm-hmm. But going into it and doing the research, drinking it again, you know, Zins are perfect. Mm-hmm. I think this is just me. Zins and Beaujolais, probably the best best Memorial Day wines. See, when I it comes don't to think of Zins that often. I don't either, because I've had a lot of really bad ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had a lot of ones that I don't like. That are too jammy, that mm. are too alcoholic. I mean, there mm. are Zins now that range up in the 16, 17% alcohol. Mm. And here's why. Like we said, it's an early ripening grape, but it's also a very sugar heavy grape. Mm-hmm. It can have up to 25, 28 bricks, which is the sugar measurement, which is very, very high. Okay. So that's the that's the number of fermentable so, sugars that is in yeah. So the then grape. that yeast gets to go on, and it's going to make a lot more alcohol. Exactly. Now, because we're talking about Zinfandel, and while you're doing that and trying the pizza, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story. Mm. I would bet there are a lot of people that listen to us that know Zinfandel for not red Zinfandel. Oh yeah, but white Zinfandel. Have you ever heard the story of how White Zinfandel happened? Mm-mm. So, so White Zinfandel is a was a mistake. <laughs> it was a bureaucratic. It was a bureaucratic labeling, and then it was a mistake. So, we talked about how Zinfandel is from California, and it kind of came up because of that, because of the Austrian name, you know, Zinfandeler. Mm-hmm. So, in the in 1972. Bob Trinchero, who was the winemaker for Sutter Home, oh, yeah, okay. he tried. He decided to pull out some to do what's called signe, signe rosé to drain off some of the some of that stuff that's been fermenting to make a rosé. Well, because of he did that, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the ATF. Mm-hmm said, well, you now have to call this White Zinfandel. you got to remember this is back in the 70s. Yeah. Where, you know, the name White, and they were okay with it because, you know, white wine was being consumed a little bit more than red wine. Right. And so he made a great dry rosé, 1972, 1973, 1974. Gained really good popularity. But in 1975, something happened. And it's what's called a stuck fermentation. So we took we just talked about how Zinfandel is a high sugar grape. Right. There's a lot of fermentable sugars in there. And back in the 70s, there weren't the same type of yeast strains that we have now mm-hmm. that can stand up to high alcohol and not die. Right. Because you know as a home brewer, right. anybody who's ever fermented anything, yeast has a threshold. And if it gets to a certain alcohol level, the yeast die. Right. Well, so that's what happened. Yeah, you so, had to have special yeast to make a barley wine, which is, you know, the 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, and so, and so the yeast. beer. 
yeah, the yeast that Bob Chinchero was using died before all the sugar was fermented out of the mm. out of the wine. Okay. He did the same process, signed, right. you know, pulled, you know, bled stuff off, and it stuck. So it stopped. So the fermentation stopped, and there was still this sweet sugariness left over. He put it aside for a little bit, a couple months. At the same time, Matus. Oh, yeah, baby. Matus was, <laughs> you know, starting to make ground as a sweet rosé coming from Portugal. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and sell this. And it caught on wildfire. Absolutely caught on this sweet, you know, this sweet wine that's coming from here in Zinfandel suffered because of it because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, everybody thought, oh, well, Zinfandel is just a sweet wine mm-hmm. or, oh, Zinfandel is just white Zin. Right. I, I am waiting. I am so waiting for somebody to make a fully dry Zinfandel rosé again mm-hmm. and just see what it's like. But nobody's going to do it. Uh, well, they, they might they might do it nowadays, you know, with the young winemakers of my generation and later generations and you know, millennials. And so next. that first time we went to St. Martin. You know, I told you about escargot. Well, right. One of our other things that we did is we got a bottle of Matus. <laughs> it was so and, popular. And some cheese and crackers, and we had a nice day on the beach. Well, yeah. Well, that was 1978. 78. So right in that time right. where this these wines were just booming. Mm-hmm. To this day, almost 10% of wine sales in the United States are white Zinfandel. Okay. Which is incredible to me. You know, right. just... Just on an accident. Right. You know, a bureaucratic labeling and an accident almost made this wine, you know, Zinfandel kind of disappear in the United States because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they could make so much more money just making white Zen. Right. But anyway, so you, you tell me about the pizza in this wine well, while I eat it since I've been yabby yabbing. I really like it. I mean, the, the cheese, what kind of cheese do you know? I mean, it's a pepperoni. Mozzarella, mozzarella cheese, probably. Yeah. Well, it goes that sweetness of the of the pizza with that pepperoni. Again, it's not quite the sweetness of the rib, of course, but the cheese and the pepperoni sweetness brings out some more of the sweetness of the wine. Mm-hmm. But I do get some earthiness from it too because of the wood fire. Mm. Yeah. So need that. Where'd you get this? So this is from our, that I know of, our only wood fire place in town, from Zaza's. Okay. And it's, you know, it's just their classic pepperoni. Mm-hmm. So like you said, they're, you know, their traditional red sauce, mm-hmm. pepperoni, and they wood fire it. Mm-hmm. It just works so well. You know, the, that's some good earthiness to, out that, of it. Mm-hmm. To me, the sweetness kind of drops down and you get that nice fruit. You get a lot of the earthy. You get a lot of the spiciness I think, mm-hmm. as well with the pepperoni because they're big old old style pepperonis. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of that big earthy flavor that kind of goes with it, and it to me, it just works. And it's one of the it's one of those pairings that for me is so nostalgic because the first two wines that I tried, and most of the times that I did it, I would be going into colonial wine and spirits here in town and my friend dave and i we'd be like all right order pizza let's go grab a bottle of wine yeah and the first couple bottles we had matus no (laughs) 
No, we had the Lovegrass Syrah. Oh, yeah. From, McCl- uh, I think it's McLarenville. And then we had a Old Vine Zinfandel from Klein. Klein's Old Vine Zin and their Old Vine Mavedra. And so for me, this is such a nostalgic pairing, but I also think it works so well. You know, pizza was created in southern Italy, a little bit farther north than where the wine's made from. But I think that still tradition is going to be there. And mm-hmm. it's just, this brings out, this to me, this is so balanced. Mm-hmm. Because it takes that extra fruitiness and pulls it down. It bumps up the spiciness, the earthiness, and makes everything taste better. Yeah. In my opinion. But that's just me. I'm just Except that it was 14.5%. You could drink this all day with pizza. Well, yeah. You can still <laughs> drink it all day, huh? Yeah, you just got to pace yourself and drink some water and Gatorade in between. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to me, this is just, it's just so good. And, you know, kind of like, let me, let me talk a little bit like technical stuff with the, when it comes to this wine. So, like I said, it's it's a single vineyard wine. Mm-hmm. It's from the Casino Niti vineyard, which is only 25 hectares, which is, I think. That's small. It's like 10 acres, maybe. I forget because hectare. I know hectares are are smaller than acres. It's like it goes through 100% mal malactic fermentation, so you don't get that really harsh kind of sharp acidicness. It's all that like lovely soft, soft acid. It's fermented in cement, so there's none extra kind of thing going there. It's aged for six months in French oak barriques. Now, a barrique is a 225-liter barrel. So, so it's massive. Actually, actually, one hectare, 2.47 acres. So that would be... So the hectare is bigger than an acre. One hectare is 2.47 acres. Mm. So a hectare is smaller. Yeah. One hectare is 2.5 acres. So this would be, you know, 25 times 2.5 math, math major. You can figure that one out. <laughs> 62. So <it's>, yeah. <laughs> Look at there. Like, like I just, you know, throw it out there and then he, he's, he's got, he's got that. He was, he was a math major. I didn't just make that up. No, I have a BA. He's, he's got a BA in math, not a BS in math, but an actual BA. Well, I can uh, still BS it. <laughs> But, you know, the oak aging this is six months in very large, what are called barriques. So, 225 liters. Six months. Six months. Oh, that's not long at all. It's not long, but you also have to remember it's a very large barrel. So, it's it's there to soften. And then it sits four months in bottle before. So, those are natural oak, very large barrels? French oak, yeah. It's probably, it's definitely, yeah, they're they're neutral oak by now. Like, most of the barriques Mm -hmm. that are around, they're just kind of smooth it out. Yeah, They're very, very old. They just kind of give it that softness. And then it sits four months in barrel before mm-hmm. going to market. And this is, you know, this is five years old. Right. This is 2016, so it has that extra time to mellow out, which I I think it's fantastic, and especially for under $20. So now is, is it going to get better with time in the bottle? I think, I think this is kind of about its peak. So what year did you say that was? 16? This is 2016. You know, I you know maybe a couple more years, and then it's going to start to fall off, start to lose some of that extra fruitiness, 
But what I read about mine was, and it's a 2017. Right. I said it's good for 10 years. Yeah, so mine's, mine said 5 to 7. Yeah. With the Primitivos, and it may just be a vindication difference. Yeah. You know, coming from different areas may just, you know, in, in yeah, it's just going to be different. And yours has a bunch of extra, yours has other stuff, other stuff it. in it, which That's may right. give it a little bit That's more right. of a time. It could And be. that stuff may need a little bit more time to age. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think this is drinking super, super well. I mean, I don't know how this could get better. All the tannins are soft. The the acidity is very balanced in it. The fruit doesn't feel too much. It doesn't feel too less. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's dying. It doesn't feel like it has more time. This I think this right. it feel like this wine is just at its perfect it's age. It's good, yeah. And it went really well with everything on the plate. It did. Very American plate. Another struggle on best on plate. <laughs> Yeah, so anything else about this wine before we head into yours? So I've got some do other Do you know what facts. kind of soil it is? Um, because mine is like a limestone kind of soil, and I'm just wondering if it's the same there. I'd have, Since they're the Zen and the right are all about the same, I would think maybe the soil is about the same. Well, if you don't know, that's that's okay. So this is a Luvian alluvian soil and there is some limestone in it so yeah it's about the with same it, with then. it being so close to the sea it's right, definitely exactly. gonna have it's definitely yeah. gonna have that limestone sandy sandy yeah and the alluvian has to do with a lot of dead old sea crustacean mm-hmm. that's kind of where that that name comes from and then it says it has that limestone in it as well because you can have alluvian soil without the limestone yeah and some of the lantus floated up Right. Oh, it's right there. Right. So, <laughs> I thought Atlantis was more in the Atlantic, not in well, the Mediterranean. Nobody knows where it is. <laughs> That's the point of Atlantis, That's I guess. Thing. But yeah, so it's gonna have very. It's gonna have. Sounds like it's gonna have very similar soil to what you're talking about and where you're talking about it. But all right. Well, are you ready to kind of switch over? Sure. Why not? Okay. So tell us uh, again what your wine is and what you're pairing with it. So the wine is the Ridge Pagani Ranch Zinfandel. It's a 2017. And actually what it is, it's 84% Zinfandel, 7% Petite Shiraz, 7% Acanta Bachet, and then 2% Batana. And it's gotten all kinds of awards for it. And it is about the same as yours. It's 146 and then on the plate is the yai toast with connectabur. And that's a Norwegian connection that I just wanted to try because, you know, we're always doing a goat cheese. Right. So, so connectabur, I'm sorry, yai toast is a cheese. It is a cheese. All. And you'll see on the Instagram picture, it looks like. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> I mean, it does. There's, there's no way around it. It looks like peanut butter. It looks like slices of peanut butter. If you're looking for this cheese in your grocery store, look for a red wrapper and it'll say Sky Queen. You may not find it. It's not always there. Depends on your 
grocery store, whether it's a good one or not a good one, you know, depending on how how many different cheeses they have. If you've got a Whole Foods, if you got a Whole Foods in your town, that would be my... I found I it at Kroger's too. Right. But I would say if you have a Whole Foods, check your Whole Foods first because I would be, they're going to be the place that I would think that I would have it first. So the essential way to enjoy this cheese is you use the Norwegian cheese cutter. And if you've not ever seen that, let's see if we can describe that, Josh. You know, you got the handle and then you've got like a spade where you draw across the cheese and it cuts a small sliver. Yeah, it's like a reverse truffle shaver. Yeah. So it's you're just going to like make really, really thin slices of this cheese. And that was invented in 1927 in Norway. So awesome. it's definitely a Norwegian thing. You know, the Connectabrua, that's a Norwegian cracker. And what the Norwegians do, and Oscar and Kari may be listening, they have that for breakfast. I mean, they eat a lot of cheese and open-faced sandwiches for breakfast. It's a very European thing. Yeah, or cheese it, may be for, it may be for their afternoon tea. Or yeah. it may be for their dessert. But I wanted to try that just because that flavor might go well with this wine. Because of the earthiness that's in this wine, yes, and it, it's a it's a goat it's a goat's cheese, goat smoked cheese, right? And so, then we have the spaghetti, and I said earlier what that was. We use a saccharini Paul Newman. It's it's a sausage. We use a sausage that we cook up and spaghetti, and then I got a carrot cake. So you can try them in that order. You can try them in any order. So this is another. So this is you know this is an American style Zinfandel. But it's not more of your, it's more of a classic Zinfandel style. You know, definitely you can still see the staining of the tears with this one. It's a beautiful, beautiful dark ruby, dark, dark ruby color, almost, almost a purple. I wouldn't quite call it all the way to purple. It's a very, very dark ruby. Staining of the tears. Smells of, I'm getting a lot of beeswax. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. Okay, that's why I thought that's why I thought the the <laughs> toast the eye toast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm getting a lot of like beeswax and still still that same like dark black fruit on it, but it's not as earthy as the Primitivo. No, it's a little bit more lighter in the nose, but that that beeswax is just really kind of covering me up. Now, where where is this wine produced at? So well, it's, it's, Pag- it's Pagoni Ranch. I'm guessing that's the name of the vineyard. That's right. Okay. And where where is that vineyard located? Lies along Highway 12 in Sonoma Valley. Okay. So it's in, it's a Sonoman wine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And its elevation, I think, uh, I'm not looking straight at it, but I think it's up 2,400 elevation. Okay. And so it's close close enough to the Pacific Ocean that you get those cool, cool breezes off the Pacific. Right, that come down the Sonoma Valley. That's right. So the reason I asked is, so Marie and I have been to Ridge. Okay. So Ridge is, I think it's their original tasting room. It's actually outside of San Jose. And it's like on the ridge of a mountain. It is way high up yeah, there. I think 2400 is what I read. Well, no, but the, well, that's that vineyard. Uh-huh. But so Ridge is actually in, in Lutton Springs 
Oh, they have a whole bunch of vineyards. Yeah, so they've got a bunch there's, of... There's they, lots of them. They've got a... In Pasaroma, they have a vineyard. Yeah, they've got a lot of stuff around, but like their main place is in, is in Lutton, I think it's Lutton Springs. And it is honestly at the at the at the top ridge of mm-hmm. one of the mountains mm-hmm. or hills. Yeah. And when Marie and I were up there, the the breezes were insane. Like I was down in I was in San Jose I was actually in Cupertino, California, which is outside of San Jose, doing some training with Apple. Doing some training with Apple. And we finished it. She was living in San Francisco. We drove down and then we drove up to Ridge. And we were driving up this mountain for like 30 minutes. We're like, where is this place? <laughs> like, did we <laughs> yeah. pass it? And, you know, right. there are vineyards, there are wine, you know, vineyards. And did we actually pass it? And we just, we kept going. And it's at the top of the mountain at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. And it is on the ridge. Like, the name Ridge makes sense. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to this wine. But it, if you get a chance, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful spot because you can look over like all of San, like all of San Jose and Cupertino, like the Silicon Valley. You can from oh, there, yeah, you can, you can look down and see the entire Silicon Valley, and they, they make fantastic. You know, content. a lot of them. You you go to a winery and you can look down and you can see two or three miles, but apparently with this mm-hmm. one, you can see twenty or thirty. It's miles, incredible. Whatever the yeah, because it, of the altitude, right. Now this um, started in eighteen eighty five. Eighteen eighty five. Doctor Osoa Perino of San Francisco. He buys one hundred and eighty acres, and their main area is Monte Bello Ridge, and so that's when it all started. Right, and so some of these. Vines were that old, 125 years old. Yeah, they made so a lot of there are a few Zinfandel producers that made it through prohibition mm-hmm. by selling make it home. I call them make it home kit. Yeah, where they would either sell the juice or they would sell like a a brick of mm-hmm. grape press that you can you know rehydrate at home, right, and make your own wine at home. You know, there was, you know, there was still a bunch, bunch torn out, which is really, really sad. But a bunch was torn out, especially where this comes from. So Sonoma and Napa, just north of Napa and Oak Hill, is where some of the first Zinfandel vines were planted. Mm-hmm. They actually got ripped out during Prohibition, but it, it was so wildly popular because it, made great wine mm-hmm. and it made it quit you know it was early mm-hmm. so you could have multiple types of wine growing and you'd have enough time between your zinfandel and something else coming mm-hmm. up that you could actually finish right plant or finish you know harvesting and starting your vinification of your zinfandel before something else would come up that's right like the the cab that they would make mm-hmm. come up much later right so what what i was saying earlier too is that you know, they harvest the younger grapes off the younger vines on October 3rd. And then four or five, six days later, that's when they'll harvest those 100-year-old or 125-year-old right. grape vines. Well, and one of the reasons it takes so long, so, you know, we talked about July when it comes to the Primitivo. One of the reasons it's later with Ridge is because of its elevation. 
That's right. Because it's higher in elevation, it takes longer to ripen just because it's not as warm as the valley floors or closer down to the valley floors as things are growing. So this wine, this wine's really good. It's really finessed. So, you know, I've been tasting it as Dad's been ta- as we've been talking. And this one, you have that, like, you have that dark fruit profile. You have some of that earthiness. You have a little bit of that acidity. But it's all really, really well integrated. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you're getting? Yes. And it's it seems to be maybe maybe a, a, a word to use is smoother because it's okay. and maybe that's because of the different grapes that are in there and the different types right so this 2017 was a very wet year okay and so it ended up having more sugar because of the of the wetness but it also will be dilute a little bit more diluted and more diluted so with the uh, Petit Shiraz and some of the other grapes that are blended with it, it smoothed it out. Mm-hmm. Petit Shiraz will also give color and body, kind of bolster it up a little bit. It's a little bit later of a ripening. Petit Shiraz is actually one of my favorite grapes. Oh, me too. I love Petit Shiraz. So you'll get some pepper out of that? Kind of, but I think, what's the percentage of Petit Shiraz in this? I think it's a seven. I'm not looking at it right this minute. So I think that's going to be more for color and body mm-hmm. than really any kind of flavor aspect. Because, like you said, it's a wet year, so the grapes are going to be a little bit more waterlogged. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit lighter in color. Juice is going to be a little bit less. The the fullness of it's going to be a little bit less. So they're going to add things that are going to add particular characteristics to the wine. Right. Petit Sirah is one that will always add color. And oomph. Yeah. Like, that's kind of its thing. It's color and oomph. That's one of the reasons I love it by itself, because it has good oomph. Really big, well, rich that, color. That 2,600-foot elevation, just because of that, is going to be cooler. And then it's close enough to the Pacific that it's going to get those Pacific breezes that gives it that coolness. Right. So this is a net. This is a lot, kind of like you said. It's softer. It's more finessed. It doesn't have those big, bold, big fruity, big spicy flavors. Now, when I aerate it a bunch, I get a lot of that spice, a little bit prickly, like black pepper, cinnamon kind of spice going on. Maybe even, maybe even Chinese five spice. But you get coming that once I, I get, but I gotta work for it. It's a very, very well integrated wine. So when I say well integrated, what I mean is that everything I'm tasting is all together. Like mm-hmm. I have to search and I have to work mm-hmm. really hard to break those to break those things apart. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't mean the wine that's a little bit easier to dissect is not worse than this wine. Mm-hmm. It's just a characteristic of the wine. It's soft. It's finessed. It tastes really good. Now, this cheese. Huh? So, for the listeners You've out there, this before, right? I have had this cheese many, many a time. I enjoy this cheese very, very much. This cheese is a staple at our house at least once a year because it normally lands on our cold table, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. 
So explain cold, a cold day. So a cold table. So my mom, my mom was an exchange student in Norway for a year for her, after her senior year. After her senior year, she went to Norway and was an exchange student there. And one of the traditions that she brought back, the Norwegians do, is at Christmas time, where on Christmas Eve is actually when they open their gifts. Right. They open their gifts on Christmas Eve. And then after that, rather than doing a big elaborate meal, they have what's called a cold table. So everything is uncooked except for the porridge. They do make a, a good luck porridge. Everything else is uncooked. So it's you know smoked cheeses, smoked meats, cheese, uh, cheeses, pickled crackers, pick, you know, stuff that's pickled, stuff that's all pickled. And it just comes out of a big plate and you just kind of pick at it and bring it through. And ever since I can remember, on our Christmas Eve night, we do a cold table where there's sardines, there's cheeses, there's meats. We st- we've we've recently stopped doing the porridge because none of us really ate it except you. Yeah. So, but it's this. And tra- it's a lot of work. It, it is. The porridge. It is a lot of work. But this cheese, this this, I call it peanut butter cheese. Well, on the wrapper, it calls it caramel. That's another. And, it's, and, and and the it's thing, peanut butter, goat cheese, it's peanut butter cheese, turns out brown, right? So this this cheese, it is it's it looks like peanut butter, and it has that really big nutty, smooth, mm-hmm. sweet kind of flavor because they cook. What they do is they cook the goat's milk mm-hmm. to kind of preserve it when they're making the cheese and they're making the curd, and it gets this like brown caramely color. It, but it looks more like peanut butter to me. But it has that nutty, sweet flavor that really tastes like peanut butter. And because of that, it tastes like a peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. This The wine to the me, wine? the wine and this cheese tastes like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There you go. Best on plate. All right. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> he says that because I, I love peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you alluded to it, and I'm changing the subject a little bit. You know, when Bro Vision hit, you know, this winery, like all the other wineries, it's like, what do they do? And for the for this winery to sustain themselves with prohibition going on, it says a lot. Yeah. I mean there were there were two things you could do, or there were three things you could do as a winery once prohibition hit to not shut down. Right. You could make the make it home kits. You could Find a Catholic church and partner and to be their spiritual winemaker. Yeah. For the sacraments. Or you could somehow figure out how to be a medicinal maker. Remind it reminds me of marijuana. It honestly reminds Medicinal remi- marijuana? So no well, like, medical marijuana. Medical I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, medical <laughs> medicinal medical. But it, it kind of reminds me of how some you know, marijuana growers have been able to continue and sustain themselves doing the CBD, doing the hemp thing, but also doing the medical. Mm -hmm. So it has that same kind of feel to me, but those were the three avenues that you could do. But so many wineries that were, that were pre-prohibition shut down. And if you look at the history of the, of the varietals, which were grown in California Mm -hmm. before and after prohibition, a lot of them were Italian and Spanish varietals. Mm-hmm. So this one, not really known to be a, right. Spanish, a Italian varietal, 
was there, but like Sangiovese, Grenache, all a lot of those were grown out there. And from my research, you know, Zinfandel made it out to California during the gold rush mm-hmm. in the 1850s and was kind of brought out there and start, like I said, started just north of Napa and, you know, kind of grew. But a lot of it was pulled out for, for prohibition. The other thing about this, this grape is it, it is, it's kind of easy to grow because it's a bush vine. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a climbing vine. It's more one that's going to turn into a bush if you leave it alone. So you don't actually, you don't have to train it as much right. as you do other ones. It'll just kind of bush grow. And if you kind of, if you look up hundred year old or old vine Zinfandel, it looks just this gnarly bush looking thing that's sitting in the ground, but it makes this wonderful wine, which I think is just so cool because it's one of the ones you can just leave alone and it's going to grow. Right. And it's not like it doesn't have to climb to do well. It's going to, it's just going to grow on its own. And they, and they're doing the organic thing. I mean, they're, they're letting the, uh, the growth between the vines, the rows. Yeah. And they're actually even putting raptor boxes out, even bluebird boxes out. Cool, because the raptors will deal with the field mice, and the bluebirds will deal with the pests. Exactly, and so then every year, when when the raptors and the bluebirds go away, they clean those they clean mm-hmm. those boxes out, so that when the new ones come back, or even maybe it's the same ones, got a clean. They've got the clean box. Yeah, and so, I mean that's that's really cool. <laughs> I had not ever read about that before. Well, you know, Ridge is super historic in the valley. You know, they were some of the some of the forefronter forefronters when it comes to Zinfandel in California. They actually have dug in and done a lot of like single vineyard mm-hmm. Zinfandels, where a lot of people will just do lot Zinfandels, right? Or they'll do like like Lodi. Lodi is a region that is well known for Zinfandel, but the great quality is not always the best. You're gonna get big. 16, 17, 18, big, big Zinfandels, just fruit bomb, mm-hmm. as I call them. Not nowhere near nuanced to either one of these. Right. It's just going to be like scooping blackberry jam. Mm-hmm. And, but Ridge has done it right. So you talked about Ridge Montbello. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have listened to us for a long time, you've heard us talk about the Judgment of Paris. Yeah. Do you remember what one of the top red wines was? Tell me, Josh. It's the Ridge Montebello. Mm-hmm. So the Ridge Montebello was one of the wines that was entered into the Judgment of Paris. And, and it didn't, I don't think it won, but it was definitely top three, top five. Okay. In the red category, which just. I couldn't remember if it won or not. Which is kind of one of the reasons that this wine is so, is as expensive as it is. So this is a 35 to $50 bottle. Yeah. 30 to, 30 to $30 to $50 bottle. Depending on where you're the, at. The sticker was 45 so I got it on one Wednesday. So that made it whatever that would be. But this is worth it. This is a really nuanced wine. So you would buy this one over the Italian? If I had all the money in the world and price didn't matter when I was buying wine, I would buy 
the ridge for a specific dinner. Okay. I would buy this for, if I'm looking at doing something specific, in Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. Like, this would be something I would look at for that. But the Primitivo, I'd buy to drink with nothing. You know, Every day. This wine, you know, your Ridge wine drinks great by itself. Mm-hmm. It works really well with the food. I just had it with the pasta and the spice, the, the spice of the bell pepper. Mm-hmm. Adds some of that mm-hmm. spicy and earthiness that we talked about in the Primitivo. Mm-hmm. It adds that to it and kind of brings it up, which I think is important with this wine. Right. But I, I mean, I would buy, if money was not an issue, I would definitely buy either one of these wines. Yeah. They're so different, but so similar, which is what I was super excited about when we did Zinfandel and I decided to do a Primitivo. Because I wanted to try a Primitivo next to a California Zinfandel because they are grown similarly, but they're so different. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic. Well, on their on their parents' list, they got a long list of things to pair with this wine. Blackberry, braised beef, short ribs. That'd be good. This, <laughs> this wine would love beef. This wine loves baked rigatoni, baked chicken. Kansas City rib. Is it actually on there? Yeah. Kansas City rib? Yeah, that's what it says. Wow. What would be a chocolate poke cake? P-O-K-E? P-O-K-E. I don't know. I don't either. I could click click on it, but it's there. I mean, they got a a long list of things to choose. Of course, I didn't choose any of them. That's that's fine. That's the fun of it. That's what we're doing. So, for the listener's sake, get this wine and go over to their website and pick out one of these and try it and tell us what you think. Yeah. And I think it just shows the versatility of this grape, too. You know, like you said earlier, we don't really think about Zinfandel. No, I don't. Zinfandel just kind of sits there. And I think it's because I've had a lot of Zins that are just way too fruit bomb. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's fruit and high alcohol. Right. Both of these are so nuanced, and they have all these extra flavors. Like, I just did it with the carrot cake, and it works really, really well. Because the spice the spice of the carrot cake adds that depth to the wine, and that fruitiness goes really well with the cake. Like, it's just, I mean, we've been talking for over an hour about this stuff. And we could keep, and we could just keep going because they're both, they're both super good. Mm-hmm. Everything goes really, really well together. They all go really well together, and you know, if like this just kind of shows me that you could probably put any anything in front of this, and it's gonna go, it's gonna go fairly well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think between the two, if I didn't have food, I would prefer drinking the Ridge. Yeah, but I could drink. But I could drink the Primitivo by itself. But the Ridge is so balanced and so integrated. Right. I could just sit and drink that by the glass. Right. For hours. Would you say it's fourteen? Yours is fourteen. Fourteen point six as well. So it's it's up there on the alcohol, but it's not over. So I like the blend that it is. You know, with the Shiraz and the other other grapes, kind of gives it some special body and flavor 
that you don't have with just straight zen. Yeah. There's a little bit of extraness there, but I mean, both of these are just so so stinking good. And they both go well by themselves. Uh, and I think, like I was saying with, with the Primitivo, this would also be good coming out of a cooler. It's a yeah. little bit higher of a price, but put in the cooler, take it on take it on your beat beach trip, your boat trip, to the pool. I think it would work really well. To the lake on the Memorial Day. Exactly. You know? I even think like if you're doing a float trip if you're doing a float trip or something where you you know, you're still in that kind of cold water age, tie it up. <laughs> tie it up on the side of your raft or on the side of your canoe with your six pack, keeping it co- keeping just, it cold in the mountain water. Just don't flip and lose it. Exactly. Yeah. And and a tip. Here's a tip, and this is just a double insulated tip. You gotta remember. If something is insulated, it's supposed to keep temperature out. So if you're trying to keep something cold by putting it into something cold, an insulated thing will keep the cold out. <laughs> right. <laughs> so just be careful with your with your double wall insulated stuff. Throw Gosh. it in an throw it in an analogy. You can take a thirty two ounce analogy and put an entire bottle of wine in it, tie yeah. it to the side of your boat. Right. Cool it off. So, Josh, would you drink wine on a boat? Yes. Would you drink wine with a goat? Yes. Would you drink wine on the train in the rain? Yes. Would you drink wine with a fox? Always. Would you drink wine from a box? Maybe. I don't know about that. Depending on the box. Would you drink wine with a mouse? Yes. Would you drink wine in the house? Of course. So, it sounds like you would drink wine everywhere. Pretty much. So what I was reading, for the listener's sake, is a friend of mine gave me this. It's a glass. It's a glass coaster. It's a glass coaster that I put our wine on, so it doesn't doesn't sweat on the table, or you can use your you know your your cooler on it. So we drink wine anywhere. Pretty what much it sounds like. I've got lots more, but, you know, we're kind of running up on the time thing. So let's what go you, ahead and go to bed. You, you start best on plate. On my best on plate, let me see. On your plate, I'm thinking the pizza. Because it had the cheese and the pepperoni and the wood fire, which gave all those different flavors to the wine. And it dropped. It brought out all kinds of different things. So what? What do you have on your plate? I think on my plate, I agree with you. The pizza was the best. The burger was very close second. That beef just went really well. But everything about like the pizza, the wood fire pizza, just elevated everything, and it elevated everything in the food and elevated everything in the wine. So I just gave you some rib. You need to try the rib with your wine. Okay. And while you're doing that, I'm going to tell best on plate for yours. Okay. I think the best on your plate, the best bearing on your plate was the carrot cake. Okay. That extra spiciness and the sweetness brought a little bit for me what was missing. Not missing. What was what I need, what I wanted in the wine. And I didn't know it until I tried it. Mm-hmm. That extra spicy level just kind of enhanced that wine a little bit. 
and the wine brought fruitiness that for me, who doesn't like carrot cake? You to don't? The ca- I don't really care for carrot cake. But that fruitiness brought it into the cake, which made it more enjoyable to me. Now, best for what I've tried, mm. that ridge in the rib is lights out. I I just tried it. It is so but see good. That, so can we switch plates? And I mean, we could, but we're going to go for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> So what what about best? You said the carrot cake on mine. Yeah, I said the plate. I said the carrot cake on your plate. What do you think? I really like the yai toast. <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah, I didn't know if that would work, and it worked perfect. It wor- It does. It does work really well. That and I really love that cheese. Anyway. Yeah, you you do love yai toast, but that that nuttiness. And creaminess and the little bit of extra city that's on the cheese just goes really well with the wine. So the same person that did the coaster when we were still working, or I was still working, I gave her some of the eye toast. And I said, I want you to try this. And she tried it and she goes, I don't know about that. <laughs> so it is an acquired taste. It, it, it does. And you have to just, you just taste it without thinking. Well... When you look at a cheese and it's brown, it's like, oh my God, what's this going to be like? It's going to be funky and scuddy, but it's not, no, it's not funky. It's kind of like peanut butter. It does. <laughs> so I say it all the time and people are like, no, it doesn't. They taste them like it tastes like peanut butter. So maybe we ought to get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> and try and try this ridge with it. Maybe, but I think it's time to head to the blind. What do you think? All right, let's do it. All right, so I am using my tasting sheet from a former boss of mine, Jennifer Hinderickson, and here we go. All right, this wine is a red wine. It is a kind of medium concentration of a ruby wine. There's no evidence of gas or sediment. Does not seem to be any staining of the tears. Smells clean. It's a moderate in intensity. I would say it may be in the developing phase. There's kind of a lot going on on the nose. A little bit of SO2 on it, but the fruit characteristic is red. So definitely some raspberries, red currant, dark red cherries. A little bit kind of a dried. This is a red week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of dried or kind of desiccated flour. Definitely some earthiness to it. Some like composty forest floor area. And some vegetalness to it as well. I can't really tell if there's any earthiness or kind of mineraliness to it. And you kind of get some of those baking spices, cinnamon, nutmeg, kind of clove-ish. To kind of show that there is definitely some oak. Some oakage. Oakage to it. This is a, it's a dry wine. Tannins are medium plus, I would say. Alcohol is kind of medium to medium plus. It is a kind of a fuller, fuller bodied, round textured kind of wine. It is dry. Mm-hmm. So I'm still getting, wow. Yeah, tannins are medium plus. Still getting all those. Yeah. Dark, 
dark black fruit. There's no red fruits, but tang a little bit more toward black. So black cherry, most blackberry, super. Raspberry is there, but it's very, very like dried or desiccated. Big floral flavors. Almost kind of like a rosiness. Yeah, there's some like, definitely some, some earthiness, some, like, that's not petrol. It's almost like tar, like earth, like asphalty kind of flavors to it. Tannins are ripping now that I'm getting into it a little bit more. Yeah. Definitely some earthiness, you know, like I said, there's earthiness, there's tannin. So, tasting it, there's a little bit more like rocky, stony mineralness to it. It's definitely wood usage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of tannins. Yeah. So it's a, I'd say the medium, medium complexity, longer finish on this. So I think this is an old world wine. I think it comes from a cooler prime climate. Possible grapes, grapes, Barbera, Nebbiolo. Maybe we could say Sangiovese in there. Um, I think is possibly from Italy. Could possibly be from a strange region in France or Spain. And it's probably three to five years old. So I think this is an old, old wine. I think it is from Italy. I think it is from Barbaresco. So it's a Nebbiolo grape. I think it is a 2000... Let's see. I think it's 2005, 2005, 2006 of a high quality producer. This is a yummy, yummy wine that I want to drink lots and lots of. So that's, that's what I think it is. I think it's a Barbaresco from Italy. And I think that, well, I think you'll have to come back next week and find out what it is. Next week is going to be a very exciting week. We beer are, week. It is a beer week. And for those of you who've been following Instagram, you may have seen that I was on a podcast a couple weeks ago called the Beer Vengers podcast. You've heard us talk about them before. And this week we get to reciprocate the invite. And we have Captain Porter Brown Stout from the Beer Vengers podcast who's going to join us. Woohoo! Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. So, Dad, what beer? What type of beer are we going to be doing with, with the captain? We're doing Imperial Stouts. My what are you doing, favorite. Josh? I'm going to be doing the 1050 from Ozark Blues. What are you doing, Dad? A Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout. From North Coast Brewing. Do we know, the right. cap- do you know is Captain going to be a surprise? We should tell him. What we're doing? No, what do we, has he told us yet? No, no, we have. All he right, hasn't so told the, us yet. So the captain, the captain's beer is going to be a surprise. So. We'll tell, we'll tell him what we're doing, and then he can match it in there. Yeah, so it's going, it's going to be. Hopefully, lots, we can get his beer, and he can get ours. It's going to be, it's going to be lots of fun. Captain and his friends from Beer Avengers were so much fun to be on when I was on their podcast. If you haven't checked it out, I think it's like episode thirty-two or thirty. Something like that. Check it out on their podcast, but also, you know, give us a listen next week as we do Imperial Stouts. With the Captain. With the Captain. Captain Porter Brown Stout. It's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. And, you know, maybe even there may be a a special episode where I might throw on my episode from the Beer Avengers onto our podcast just to kind of. Well, that'd be cool. So you can kind of check it out. That would be cool. Right. So we're. Uh, as always, we are very, very thankful for you guys who listen to us. 
Like as, that, I, as I said earlier, over 2,000 downloads. Yes, and we, we could not do this without you. It hadn't even been a year yet, and we've just been kind of right. rolling along. Once again, you know, follow us on all the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, most active on Instagram. Give us a follow, a like. Give us a comment or a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're at we're Acquired Tastings, and we're just, I mean, I'm floored that we reached 2000 before a year yeah yeah i mean it's just it's just amazing and we love we love you guys and we thank you so much for help us out let's get three thousand let's (laughs) let's let's keep going but we're we're very forward and we're very thankful for you guys who listen to us and once again i'm josh mills and i'm john mills and we'll see you next time thank you and goodbye